It is time for your late June dose of common sense right here in Ohio. What does that mean? That means we are uh, common sense. We are in Ohio. And we are bringing you Common Sense Ohio Show. And you can find it at commonsenseohioshow.com. And if you like what we're doing, if you're listening week in and week out and somehow streaming and not downloading or subscribing, well, we encourage you not only to download, but to like, share, tell your neighbor about it, tell your best friend about it. You know, we like to say we're conservative, but maybe I like to say instead of that, uh, uh, we just try to give everything a little healthy common sense analysis. So if you think your political position on one side of the aisle is uh, perfectly legit, then uh, you know take a listen. Maybe we'll give you a common sense diagnosis. And on the opposite side of the aisle too, you know we uh, we are indiscriminate around here, literally indiscriminate. We don't care. Uh, so just because you look a certain way, just because you talk a certain way, just because uh, you act a certain well, acting a certain way may draw some adverse conclusions, but it doesn't mean we won't listen to you. So uh, give us a shout at commonsenseohioshow.com. Ask us a question. Check out Norm's blog. Check out Brett's blog. One of these days you'll be able to check out mine. Not quite today, but coming. Uh, so as we always do, we usually uh, kick the ball over here to Norm, who loves everybody. <laughs> I do. Yeah. I love everybody, even as I completely despise what they stand for sometimes. But uh, yeah. I love the people. All right. Well, uh, Norm, we got, there's so much going on in the news. I, I mean, I'm just chomping at the bit here to talk about Hunter Biden's plea agreement, but we can start with uh, uh, whatever you want there. Well, uh, yeah. So let's let's walk into to a little bit of Ohio news that's sort of kind of, you know, analogous or uh, touches on uh, IRS uh, DOJ behavior up here in Marion, Ohio. An IRS agent went to a lady's house in person, knocked on the door using a false name. She said, please leave. <laughs> I don't, you know, I have an attorney. I'm going to call my attorney. Uh, he, he made some kind of uh, claim that he was there to discuss a, uh, a, uh, a, uh, an estate uh, tax situation but after some discussion with her, it came out that he was really there to talk about some incomplete filings that she had made personally. At least that was his story. And she called her attorney. The attorney got on the phone with this guy using a fake name who was, in fact, an IRS agent. And the attorney said, go away. <laughs> you know, get, get off the property of my client right now. You don't have a search warrant. And he said to her attorney that he had the right to go into anybody's house at any time he wanted to. Yeah. This is the brown shirt syndrome. This yeah. is, this is um, exactly, you know, but they don't do this to Hunter, do they? Not, well, no. we'll, we'll get to that. But yes. th th this is what I call the brown shirt syndrome by brown shirt. I mean like the administrative agency <clears throat> investigative forces and you know, they had, they exist at all levels, you know, local and or state and federal levels. And at the local level, I mean, those of us who hunt are very familiar with ODNR, our Department of Natural Resources agents. And, you know, there, there's a there's a very interesting case law about uh, those agents entering onto land while people are hunting ducks. This all happened up at the corn clubs up in Cleveland at one point. And uh, what was their authority? Can they just go on anybody's land? Uh, do they have to have a search warrant, uh, et cetera? And I don't like the decision out of the high Supreme Court on that one. But uh, this is maybe not analogous, but it just makes the point. Sometimes these administrative actors don't realize that they are operating within the same restraints constitutionally as every other law enforcement or government agent. They can't just walk into your house yes, yes. and start asking questions and searching. And, and yeah. the fact that this guy thought that is so insane. It's insane. Yet so believable that he would think that erroneously. So her attorney, the next phone call he made, was to the Marion City Police Department, and they came out and threw the IRS agent off her property. A kicking and screaming, I imagine. Oh, yeah. They yeah. said, we don't give a shit if you're with, you know, the Vatican. You know, we don't care what kind of claim you're making. You don't have a search warrant. Show us your search. You you can't be on this property. Now, now here's the problem with stuff like this, because I've actually one of my few civil trials in my entire career was a civil rights trial in federal court. And it was something similar where a children's services caseworker wanted to come into somebody's house and the person said no. And uh, they ended up uh, getting assaulted a little bit or some physical altercation happened. I can't remember all the facts and details, but. You know, the, these these agencies think that they can just do this stuff. They, they, they really operate under the under the hat that they can do it. But worse, people who don't let them in um, 
get this sort of get this label that they're crazy or they're right. obstructionists or right. they're conspiracy theorists or right. somehow uh, you're a lunatic because you didn't want to let the IRS into your house to start poking around. Right. And, right. and after all, Norm, you got nothing to hide. Why do you care? Right. That's and, that. That's the common reaction yeah. of other citizens is, well, gee, you could be reasonable and nice. Give him a cup of coffee and invite him in and all. No, she did the right thing. She called her attorney. Now, here's the danger. She will likely be treated differently as a result of what she did there. And and I'm not saying, I'm not, look, I'm not going to cast aspersions. I'm going to cast warning Mm. is that often that happens. Mm -hmm. I get police reports where so-and-so was uncooperative, would not let me in, would Mm -hmm. tell me blah, blah, blah. And, you know, all they're doing is like exercising that little technicality, like their Mm -hmm. constitutional right against search and seizure without a warrant or somebody entering yeah, their home without a warrant. A small thing. Yeah, right. just those, you know, that little Fourth Amendment thing. What's the next thing that uh, the RS is going to do? Are they going to quarter troops in their house? You well, know, the other constitutional, you yeah, know, exactly. guarantee. Well, it, like it, you have to protect this stuff, folks, because if you don't, it will go away before you even know it. And when you look for it and need it, it won't be there. And, yeah. and it's, you know, it's, it's there not just to protect guilty people from this, this. This maybe is the most important takeaway of today's show. From you heard it from my mouth, criminal defense lawyer. It is there not simply to protect guilty people from getting no, caught. No. It is there to protect innocent people from bad government actors. Let Absolutely. me say that again: bad government actors. Now, are all government actors bad? No, of course not. But look, power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts absolutely, and we we have these safeguards in place to protect us against that. And you know, you can't. Uh, it, it, when people say, "Well, what do you care if, about?" Um, um, you know, why do you need a machine gun or why do you need gun? Uh, the gun control debate is always this. And when I, or is always like, why do you care? You know, you don't need these guns, etc. Well, here's what's going to happen. Some guy in a brown shirt, some administrative ATF agent uh, or some other appointed person with authority is going to come knocking on doors at some point and say, we are here to collect all the guns. <clears throat> and, you know, it, yeah. it's like, all right, so the law is the law. You should give up your guns. And if you don't have any, why do you care if they come search your house? Because they are corrupt. They can get corrupt. And it's like, as soon as you create uh, a fertile ground for that kind of corruption, it will grow. I promise you it will grow. Yeah, this is uh, as close to tyranny um, as, as I've ever heard of. I mean, it's, it's you know, for, for a guy to come representing the federal government to your front door and give you a fake name and tell you he has the right to come in your house willy-nilly without any kind of court right. order is let, outrageous. And let me look through your documents. Let me ask you some questions. Right. Let me just, you know, it's no big deal. Right. Well, the IRS, uh, interestingly enough, this particular guy, the, the, the IRS agent who did all this, this encroachment on this uh, taxpayer in Marion, Ohio, he then, because of the Marion City Police uh, removing him from the property, he then filed a complaint with the IRS in, inspector general against the Marion City Police Department, which I, I I love that. I hope I hope that gets thoroughly investigated because right now I want to go up and buy pizza and beer for the Marion City Police insane. Department. This is insane. Yeah, those guys are heroes. If the chief of police or whoever authorized the cops to go out there and get this federal agent off of her property. God bless you. Look, God bless you. I have been around some big swinging, you know what, yeah. federal agents who think that they have authority to do whatever they, they have authority to do, yeah. you know, and not all of them are this way. So I, but look, no, 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 I, right. I think this is important. This is important to yeah. know. Yeah. We are talking about the margins here, you yes. know, I, and I, and I really truly mean that people are like, all oh, ATF agents are gorillas and they're blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, you know, not all of them. I, I've no. known plenty and That's they're all right. decent guys. I think it's like my dad used to say, I never worry about you, Steve, when you're going out alone. I worry when you're with the rest of your buddies. And, <laughs> and I think that happens with the blue line sometimes. I think police officers can become corrupt to protect each other or they, they, they band together. And I think that can lead to some uh, some bad decisions at times. And then you get other people who are just bad apples, you know, racist yeah. apples or, well, or uh, you know, just guys who think under the under the under their notion of, of righteousness, they can do whatever they want. Well, the IRS is doing some really dangerous stuff. And, and recently they have upped the ante by arming some of their agents. So now, oh my gosh. So now when an agent comes to the door of somebody who is incredibly, let's say paranoid or secretive or very worried about their security and they bring a gun to the door and the IRS agent has a gun. I mean, you see the potential for, you know, obvious uh, harm. The IRS recently did an armed raid 
on a Montana gun shop, and this has been all over the news. Um, it wasn't the ATF, right? The ATF regulates gun shops. This was an a, an armed IRS team that that forcibly entered this guy's gun shop and started going through his business records. Why could they not, Steve, simply make an appointment like they would, like they showed up with this mm-hmm. taxpayer in Marion, Ohio, and just said, listen, we want to audit you. We're going to come on such a date, you know, and at such a time. Yep. Yeah, and, and show up with your briefcase, right, and your calculator. Why are you bringing yeah, a, Send notice of an audit, produce documents, do whatever. Get yeah, subpoena documents. Look, exactly. It, Why it, bring a it, gun? Unless there's some sort of predisposition or some fact that would give you a predisposition to think. That may not be the right word to say it. Some some reason to think that this person is, the person you're going to visit is armed and dangerous. Right. You don't need an assault squad to go talk to somebody about their taxes. Well, and there's an agency of armed people for the federal government that know how to handle this. They're called the U.S. Marshals. So the yeah. IRS can work with them. Yeah, they, and they provide security for exactly. those yeah, yeah, Exactly. Why are they yeah. arming IRS agents? That's that. I think it's a big mistake. That policy needs to go away because when you get an audit notice, you want to feel like you're you're dealing in a business scenario, nice and calm. It's all paperwork. Now, I guess I would say, again, if, if there is a reason that you should be armed, if there is other criminal activity afoot and it's, yeah. you're going in under the hat of IRS, but you really are investigating other stuff, maybe there's an explanation for it. I well, don't know. Well, then bring um, the ATF and the U.S. Yeah, then yeah. Bring, bring everybody. Exactly. I, I mean, I don't know. But, yeah. you know, I would want to hear more, generally speaking, but it does appear to be sort of fishy. Well, it is new to arm IRS agents. That's that's, that's crazy. That has happened under Biden. That did not exist before. And then and then nuts. Like under that's Biden. Nuts. Like under no, this this is a perfect segue into Hunter Biden because under the Biden administration, exactly. we have this notion that guns are bad. All guns are bad. I'm going to take those guns. You don't need your guns. Yeah. Guns, 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 all the regulatory stuff. I don't care. Right. You shouldn't sell guns to people who don't get guns. We need better background checks. Right. We need all this stuff. And then Hunter Biden. And and this is like I, of all the things that bug me about this case, Hunter Biden's case, this one I'm bringing up first, because I represented plenty of folks, particularly during the Obama administration, who were charged with what I'll call regulatory gun violations, like um, shop owners who were screwing up their their Form 2s or their form, whatever their paperwork would be. Right. Uh, and I worked with Derek DeBras quite a bit on some of the criminal stuff on these cases. Right. And I had a guy who was an engineer. He's just one of those dudes, like you probably know lots of Norm, who can work on stuff. Yeah. He used to build sure. race car engines, in fact. There you go. Um, and he took a hanker into b- fixing guns and was quite good at it. it. had a machine shop or whatever. And he took one, took a gun to his own machine shop and started working on it And because the tools were better there than at the gun shop. And, you know, he was indicted for this. Wow. And, you know, did he did he break the rules? Yes. These were, I, these were ATF rules and he broke the rules, but he was indicted on it. And I was like, hold on. This is like a, this, this should be like pa- yeah. paper. Problem. I mean, just, right. you know, now if the guy's committing other crimes as a result of doing right. that, so be it. Yeah. Now, like, like if he's the armorer for the Chicago mob. Yeah. Or something. And he's doing it, or he's taking guns off site to conceal other things. I mean, otherwise, just fix the conduct, educate him, and say, you can't do this, dude. Or even take his license. Who cares? Fine him. Fine him. Whatever. whatever. Um, right. But he, they wanted prison. And I, when I say they wanted prison, this is a guy who lived a flawless life. Yeah. Was in it, was a middle aged guy who just got into this late in life. Um, First no time. prior record whatsoever. Yeah, that's right. No genius testing on yeah. everything. Yeah. Had worked on government defense projects. I mean, just a genius engineer. And they indicted him. Yeah. And they indicted him and they wanted him to go to prison. They were asking for a prison sentence. Fast forward to Hunter Biden, who goes into a gun shop. And everybody who's griping about background checks, here's what happens. Anybody who's purchased a gun knows if you haven't, you will soon. There is a background check. Everybody has to go through yeah. a background check. And the, you know, the specific form is form forty four seventy three. Yes. That that's the one we all fill out. We fill it out. It used go to ahead. be in writing and now yeah. it's online most of the places. You yeah. type it into an iPad or something. Or, right. And um, it asks you a series of questions. And among the questions are, are you addicted to any narcotics? Or do you use illegal drugs? Right. And you know, are you a felon? Are there are a whole a bunch of questions. Yeah. And, and that's one of them. That's a one drug of them. addiction. Are you, do you have a drug addiction? And this is an important one because that is a firearm exclusion. If you say yes to that, it's a firearm exclusion. Now, you would ask who in their right mind would say yes to that or who thinks they're really a drug addicted person. Well, it's not. And I, I can have some empathy for that argument because let's say you're an alcoholic and you drink every day, but you're like you're still in denial. Yeah. So you can maybe say no to that and right. have some deniability. Right. Um, you can maybe say no. I, you know. 
I, you know, I smoke marijuana, but it's medical or whatever it would be. You might be able to find some safe haven. But Steve, what did they find on Hunter's laptop, right? Right. They found him on crack, high, smoking crack. Well, snorting coke off a stripper's ass. Well, wait, hang on. <laughs> right. At the, in the same bit of film, he's also brandishing the gun. The gun, right, right. So he... Like he fast forward, he lied. Yeah, I mean, they have he said no. film proof of him being an addict and, and, and brandishing been, a gun. And I'm pretty sure, I want to check my facts, I'm not positive, but I'm pretty sure he had been in and out of some rehab by then. So he was already diagnosed as somebody who was chemically dependent. Yes. Um, so he lied. He just he, flat out freaking lied. He lied. And he took, and now he lied in a way that is the most egregious lie ever for anybody else under the Biden administration to get a gun. Right. So the so just if I can supplement, it gets even worse. But you're probably going you're probably just about to say this, but just so we can bat this back and forth. One of the so he got this diversion program uh, deal worked out. And one of the very specific uh, prosecution um, standards, and this is in writing that has come out, is that. If a person is brandishing a gun, they will not do diversion right. under any circumstances. Right. Gun cases typically no diversion, right? I mean, yeah. that, that's typically but brandishing, what we run into. brandishing none. It. So there's two things that happened here that make this so bad. And, and look, I can I can I can sort of see. Look, I always tell people we don't need any more gun control. We have plenty of it. We need to enforce the gun control we have. Right. All right. So this is a perfect example of not enforcing the gun control we have. You have somebody who lied right. on their application for a background check to purchase a handgun. Right. Lied through their teeth. Boldface lie. Right. And walked then, out and with a gun. Walked out and then he disposed of it in a completely outrageous right. well, way. Well, his his fiance or wife, whoever at the time. Found, Went to go retrieve it. Found he had a gun and, and, and Hunter had disposed of it in a trash can by a school. By a high school. Right. Then he sent her back to go retrieve it. To go it. retrieve it. She couldn't, apparently she couldn't find it. So then Joe, even though he's not entitled to Secret Service as an ex-vice president, he called the Secret Service anyway, and they went out. And fixed it. And fixed it. Yeah, this is gross, man. And I remember this happening at the time. I was like, holy crap. You know, because I'm representing people who have had guns. Yeah. And, you know, say I get a guy who had a gun in an airport. You know, that happens a lot. People forget they have it. And, right. you know, most of, the, most of the courts are giving us a way out of that. Right. Uh, with diversion or something the, like the that. The wife of the mayor of uh, Columbus went to yeah, Port she, Columbus, she did that, yeah. and she did that. It, it, it's pretty common. She didn't go to prison. Now, <laughs> I have had I have had several cases where there is a firearm at or near a school, and let me tell you what, the response you get for that on the criminal defense side is no deal. Not only no deal, felony, wow. felony, felony. Like wow. you get freaking hammered. Wow. You got a gun by a school, you get hammered. And even if it's a mistake, even if it's an accident, right. no matter what it is. Even if you're throwing it away. Look, if you speed near a school. Oh, you're in trouble. You're in, it's like right. you, those are hard to deal with, even right. uh, as low as a speeding tip. But having a gun at or near a school and disposing disposing of a gun in a trash receptacle <laughs> by a high school where a high school kid could come up, take it, and go shoot people with it, is this is as egregious as that conduct gets. Yeah, I, right. I tell you what. It's like not only did he buy the gun unlawfully and lied on the form. He then used the gun unlawfully. Yes, carrying and using and, and having pictures with drugs and cocaine. Though, like, I'll give you another one. That's possession of a scheduled drug. It's a felony, and if you do it while carrying or using a firearm in Ohio, anyway, it's called a firearm specification, and you get three years off the top. I mean, you you do three years before any of that. You, they indict you with a gun spec. Yeah, and you know this this is the crap. This is the favoritism nonsense. That, that just, you know, just curls your cream, you know. It's and like, they've this had this like, laptop with that evidence on it since 2019. Yeah. And then they slow walked it and did a deal at the last minute before it, the statute ran. I yeah. mean, it's yeah. it's just it's, one crazy thing after another. This is so insane. And not to prosecute, look, to give a guy diversion for this, I, I find it reprehensible yeah. because my clients, and, and here's why, Yeah. because if I don't care what color their skin is, I don't care where they are in the, uh, in the um, sort of hierarchy of social status. Right. Shouldn't matter. M- most people with gun cases in federal court don't get diversion. Yeah. It just doesn't happen. No. Um, at least not around here. Uh, and, you know, 
on the state court level and in the federal court level. I've never had that happen. So, so there was an attorney on, uh, gosh, what was he on? Either CNN or Fox or one of the big stations, Newsmax. I, I, I can't remember. But he was the attorney for a, a rapper. I don't know this rapper. You know, that's not my music. But uh, I think his name is Kodak Black. Yeah, okay, know. so this particular rapper uh, is doing time. He got 48 months in the federal pen right. for the exact same thing that we're talking about, having lied about a gun yep. purchase, and he had some disability. I don't know if he did time previously or what it was, but he there was one of the prohibitions. There, there's If people don't know, there's like 12 or 15 questions you have to answer, and they have to all be no, or else it's illegal for you to There's one yes, person. and I forget what the one yes is. But I'm a citizen. People screw it up. Yeah, I think I'm that, a citizen. That, yeah. I'm a citizen. People think, screw it up all the time. All the time. But no, you're, you're exactly right. And, and what's, what's, what's gross about this is people are going to grab those, the people in Biden's regime, the left, is going to grab this and say, see the stats? more black people get convicted of these crimes than white people. Well, this is why, right? I mean, look, if you're going to treat, if you're going to send one guy to prison or if your stance on this is no deals yeah. for everybody else and Joe Biden's son gets a pass and this, I guess what, what offends me so much is this conduct doesn't deserve a pass. No. He didn't get this gun for innocent reasons. He got this gun because he's a drug dealing, drug buying. And I'm not a drug dealer, just an right. addict. Well, bullshit. You had to buy it in order to get right. it. And that right. means you, you're engaged in trafficking. Yeah. And, you know, if you're using it in that context, it's not for home protection, folks. No, you know, you're using no. it for protection against other dopers. Yeah. And at least that's the that's how I see this. Yeah. Or at least that's how I think the government. Let me rephrase. That's how the government would see this in any of case, any of the cases I've worked on. Your uh, your colleague who, who, you know, I mean, you don't know him, but your colleague who's also a defense attorney, this guy for Kodak Black, the rapper, he said about your diversion comment, Steve, just to support that comment from another attorney. He said in his experience of, of being in federal court on various gun crimes over the years, he has never seen it in his practice. He's never right, seen it. Not. And he said, I would guess that diversion is granted in a federal situation less than 1% of the time. I've never had a federal it's diversion It's so case. rare. I don't even know if we have diversion in our local district courts. I don't it, even know if they do yeah. it. Yeah. It doesn't happen. Yeah. And That's even what misdemeanors, there's only like a handful of misdemeanors that have, I've had one. And it was a gun case. It was an airport gun case years ago. Yeah. But I, I got to tell you, uh, this is this is egregious, folks. This is this is as bad and corrupt as it gets. Yeah. Because here's the thing. It, we, we talked about this in the context of the death penalty when Paul Scarcella was in here. You know, the justice right. should be blind. Right. And Paul pointed out, it's like, well, hold on. You know, it's not blind as far as punishment goes because different people have different characteristics. And, you know, we had an interesting discussion about that and it raised some eyebrows. But I think as far as enforcement is concerned, we want something called fair enforcement. We want something called, um, you know, we what we don't want is picking and choosing who gets prosecuted based on their political bent, based on their social status, based on uh, who they're related to and whether daddy happens to be the president. You know, that that's yeah. what, this stinks as much as anything I've ever seen coming out of the federal government. This is probably a misreading by me but this is just my common sense reading. But when I read the phrase equal protection in the Constitution, it also means to me equal treatment. I mean, that's how I read it. Well, that's I, what it does mean. Yeah. 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 So if a law is getting enforced against you, yes. but not somebody else, yes. and there's no distinguishing characteristics. That's not equal protection. That's not, it's a violation of equal protection. Now, that, that, that may not set you free in a particular case, but yeah. the, conceptually, it's true. That's right. You should and, not be treated differently. And that's what we expect as citizens, right. is to be treated the same way on the same set of circumstances. So if I get a gun case like this one at some point and I go to federal court on it, like what's my argument? Yeah. Oh, you're going to bring up Hunter. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yes, you are. I want diversion. Why can't I get diversion? Why can't I get it? Right. Right. And you know, that you, people would say that's oversimplified and maybe it is, but it makes the point. It Why does. does he get diversion? And right. then, you know, right. beyond that, he has this other problem. So first of all, he owed like what? One point something million in taxes? Well, I, I Twice. The, the estimate keeps going up as they are able to document more and more of this bribery money. They're up to something like now 2.2 million that he owes. I heard last week it was 1.2. Now people are saying it's really, he owes 2.2 in back taxes on a total of, 
I think it's $17 million altogether they've been able to document that he got from Romania, China, and Ukraine that was unreported income. Yeah, so let me tell you. Here's, I, I have done countless federal cases. I've defended people in federal court for the last almost 30 years. Yeah. Rarely do cases go to trial in federal court. I mean, in most cases in federal court resolve, and there's a reason they resolve. They resolve because a lot of times you get, now it comes in the form of a thumb drive and you open it up and there's like mountains of evidence that, that basically make your client guilty. Or even if there's not mountains of evidence, you look at it and you're like, all right, well, even if I go win this case, the risks of winning or the risks of losing are so insane. You know, you're going to, your guideline sentence is off the charts or yes. you get a white collar dude who doesn't want to go risk 10, 15 years in prison. So what he's going to do, he's going to plead and do three, you know, a lot yeah. of cases plead in federal court, but preceding the plea is usually something called a, a defendant's agreement or a plea agreement. That is a cooperation agreement. And almost always, almost always, if not always, that requires something called a proffer. A proffer and, you know, other lawyers, like I saw a TV show, Billions, I've been watching that, I started watching that. And they, they used to use the term queen for a day letter. A queen for a day letter from the federal government means I'm going to give you an agreement, Norm, that you can tell me everything that you know, and I'm not going to use your words against you in a prosecution. I might be able to use what, I might be able to go independently discover what you tell me. You can't just say you murdered somebody and get a pass. But I'm not going to be able to go into court and use your confession to that against you unless you lie or unless you take the witness stand in your trial and say something different, then I can use it to say, well, hold on, Norm, you told me this during a proffer. Now you're saying something different. Yeah. But generally speaking, a proffer means you provide information about what you did. Here, somehow or another, Hunter Biden is not going to, and let me, let me also say this, in the context of a proffer regarding corruption, like the type we're talking about that resulted in $2 million in back taxes, based on bribery payments, because that's an accretion to wealth. Somebody gave him money. Mm-hmm. That's taxable income. Even if it's illegal income, it's still taxable. Including a di- a bit, an $80,000 diamond and a $140,000 Porsche. So you're supposed to put $80,000 yeah. gift 80, yeah. or $80,000 in this payment, $140,000 in a payment. It doesn't matter if it came in the form of a diamond or a Porsche. Yeah. So you owe tax on that money. Yeah. He didn't. Now he's being prosecuted for tax fraud. Um, now, often we would see a money laundering count next to that. And we would see the underlying corruption charges right along with it. At least one of them, at least one. So usually what you see is a conspiracy to engage in drug trafficking or engage in this corrupt behavior. You see then a substantive count that you did engage in the corrupt behavior. You didn't just agree to go do it at one point. You actually did it. And then you see what I'll call the money crimes, either an IRS problem or a money laundering problem. So those are usually what you see in a federal cooperation type of agreement. Okay. Here, all we got was the tax problem. Right. And presumably, he's getting a pass on the substantive counts of engaging in corruption. Yeah, he's to plead to two misdemeanors is what the IRS is saying. And the IRS is, the IRS, I mean, they had that guy testify to Jim Jordan yesterday from the IRS the IRS whistleblower. Yeah, no, they're not happy about it. Oh, he's incandescent over this because for the last several years, this whistleblower has been saying, we've sent up referral after referral to the DOJ and they have not acted on it. They slow walked it. And he started to spiel off all the things the IRS knows and about. And it's gross, man. Oh, it's, it's like, a ton. It's like Hunter Biden in the room with his dad talking to threatening the Chinese people that are paying him money that if they yeah. don't pay. I mean, yeah. look, I I'm mean, not saying that's true, but it's certainly not something you overlook. Yeah. And, and, you know, the other part of this is if you're going to get a deal, especially misdemeanors in federal court on a plea agreement, I want everybody to know this. It doesn't just happen. You have gone in and you have proffered. And very, very rarely, if ever, would any AUSA, Assistant United States Attorney in Department of Justice, let you only tell them half of what you did. They want to know it all. You don't get to go in and say, well, I'm going to tell you what I did with the tax problem, but right. I'm going to leave out the fact that I was engaged in corruption and giving money to my daddy, who's now president. Never in a million, million freaking years, years no. you would make you would have to make the prisoner's choice. You would have to say either, look, I'm going to go take my heat and protect the, my other people, or I'm going to snitch and give you everything. Yeah, I mean, hey, Steve, if it was Donald Jr. or Eric Trump, right? They would be in. I'm, I mean, come on. They would be in the vice. Exactly. They would be in the vice. Exactly. And I, it's not even them, not even Donald, but I don't even want to say that. It's anyone else. 
Yeah, it's anyone else. And right. I mean that. It's right. like cuz I have I have a client right now that I'm working on. I'm probably going to go to trial on a federal case. And my co-counsel and I have discussed this. Like, look, we can proffer about some things and really help the government and try to get a deal or uh, but if we do that, we're going to have to talk about these sort of other semi-related things that are no good. And right. we can't do that. We ha- right. like it we can't do it because we know Never in a million years will the government let us give a let half it, a profit. Let it go, right. You, they're like, no, we want to know it all. So Hunter's attorney, I don't know why he did this. I, it's kind of like Trump's interview with uh, Brett Baer the other day. I don't know why he did that interview. But I don't know why Hunter's attorney got on, I think it was MSNBC or CNN, one of the two. And he, he has been quoted as saying they negotiated with the assistant attorney, U- U.S. attorney, for the last year and a half on this. That's probably about right. Yeah. 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 But I mean, it just goes to show you I how, mean, look, it's been, uh, but uh, you know. The kind of money it took to hire that attorney, right? How many American citizens could pay an attorney to negotiate for a year well, and a half? here's the thing. It happens. And, and, you know, I've got plenty of cases where people are paying me to do that. There's also, here's what's interesting. There's also a federal public defender's. So, you know, to, to give you the contrary point, there's a federal public defender's office in almost every district. And it, I say almost because I think it's every, but I don't know for sure. Yeah. Um, and if you, it, it, a lot of times what will happen by DOJ policy, Department of Justice policy, somebody will get a target letter. You're here by a target of an investigation. Yeah. And you can call the public defenders and they'll champion the cause. So it does happen. Like people have access to lawyers. But I think the point you're making is, it, it, the bigger point here that I think is 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 important to note there's been ongoing uh, criminal prosecution, we'll call it, on Hunter Biden, presumably after a target letter was sent, and uh, for the last almost two years, and nobody knows about it. And you know, I, I, I hats off to his lawyer because that's his job to keep that kind of stuff quiet. But you know, this has been all. You can't tell me that some media source didn't catch wind of this. Oh, sure. You can't tell right. me that some yeah. like this, it, like. What a bunch of horseshit. Right. You know, right. it just is. Uh, so they're waving the bloody shirt right now on the lefty uh, media. The lefty media is saying, see, uh, there is justice. It's equal for all because Hunter is having to plead guilty. He's finally taking responsibility. And poor daddy. Yeah. And poor dad. He loves his son. And isn't this tragic? And they, they are spinning this thing you know, so opposite to the treatment that any other U.S. And citizen. they won't admit it. They, they won't, won't admit, admit it. it. And they keep saying, well, there, there's no evidence from the Republican claim that there's right. two systems of justice. Right. Two-tier then, systems. But you know what then they're saying in the next, like, they're saying it out loud. Like, you know, if they think there's two systems of justice, they should look at what the poor, how, what happens to the poor people and the in the in the minorities. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly the freaking problem. That's exactly morons. the point. That is the point. It's yeah. not just that Trump is being treated differently or that his son would be treated differently. It's that Everybody else is being everybody treated Everybody else, right. Right. And if, everybody else. You know, uh, back to the show, Billions I'm Watching, it's like, you know, there's, there's this sort of overzealous a, or a U.S. attorney in New York going after a hedge fund guy. And, you know, he's got that guy in his crawl. You know, he can't, like, he's yeah. almost obsessed about it. Yeah. And, you know, on the one hand, you're thinking, yeah, that's for the good guys. But then I think there's this undertone of that, that, all right, that's a little bit too much. Yeah. And now on the other hand, you got this guy who's a crook, who's insider trading, and you sort of like him too. It, it it sort of it skews the lines of all this stuff and makes the point is yeah. that you have to have checks on the government. You have to have checks on the you government. You definitely do. Because prosecutions can get overzealous and they can get underzealous. People can get a pass based on who they are and uh, based on corruption. And if you don't think that happens, you are nuts. And it's happening right now on Front Street. Well, I I just want to say one thing about, about public defenders. And, our, and there are some fantastic ones, of course. You know, I guess people like William Kunstler, for example, uh, years ago was a public defender before he went into private practice. So you got William Kunstler, or maybe you got Alan Dershowitz, or maybe you got uh, Steve Palmer. You know, as young lawyers would do some pro bono or public defender work. But I just want to say, you know, having a little familiarity that if you're well healed, if you're I mean, if you're Hunter Biden and you've got 17 million that you've gotten in bribes and you've got money to spend, you can hire, you know, state of the art legal help. And it matters. And it does. I'll tell you, you know, it It does does matter. matter. And, and, but it doesn't always matter. 
in ways people think it matters. And sometimes you can spend a lot of money on who you think is a good lawyer and maybe they're not so good. And, yeah. you know, but at least you've made the choice and you that's, had your, you right. got to make the choice. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, I, I've, I've encountered many, many public defenders who do a phenomenal job. Great, great, great yeah. lawyers, great trial lawyers. They do God's work out there and, you yeah. know, they're really helping people that need it. Um, but uh, they don't, it's not that they're bad. It's that they don't have the resources. They don't have the resources. So if you have an unlimited resource pool yeah. to hire experts, to hire. Like OJ hired that DNA guy, that Barry, yeah, whatever his name Barry is. Barry Sheck back Barry, in the day. Thank you. It's thank like you. it mattered that they had Barry Sheck. And Big they time. They only had him because he had money. Big time. And, you know, I have a case right now I'm working on after somebody was convicted, and I've got an expert in cell phone science. I've got an expert in DNA. I've got an expert in uh, in psychological issues. Uh, and I've got an expert in. Um, uh, I got one more expert. I can't remember what it was, <laughs> but another expert in another field. And you know, all that cost, you know, say 10 grand per expert. Yeah. At least. Yeah. And you know, yeah. I, I'm not saying this to brag that I got a real wealthy client. I'm saying it's like, it, it's, it's, I couldn't get that yeah. as commonly if I'm a public defender or doing court appointed work. In theory, there's a case I think called Ake versus Oklahoma that says uh, indigent defendants are entitled to have the court or the state pay for those things. But I, in my experience, it's not as e it's not so easy. And I also think, and this is not necessarily a jab on public defenders, they don't always realize what they could be doing because they're not, they typically don't have the resources to, to do it. They tend to be young. And, you know, some of them are lifers. Some of them tend to be young. Yeah. Now, now, in federal court, a lot of times, my buddy uh, uh, up in Michigan, he does still, and he's a very, very well-respected, nationally known lawyer. He'll do court-appointed work in federal courts. And a federal judge will call him and say, hey, look, yeah. can you take on this case? Yeah. And the federal public defender work, like uh, if you're appointed to do it, the, they call it the CJA, you'll get your compensation is a little better yeah, than, typically yeah, in state yeah, court, yeah. but it's still it's still at the low end. You know? Yeah, sure. It's like you, you have nothing. Uh, I think also to your point, Norm, is that the resources we have on the defense side are, are they, they pale. They pale. In comparison right? to what the state has. You don't have an FBI working for you. Yeah. Right? Or, or, or like a, a big law firm. You know, yeah. like, like if I need to get motions cranked out on a case. Yeah. I have like a hand, I have one, two, three or four people. Most defense lawyers are like that. Yeah. There's some big firms that, that get involved that, that have some resources, but you know, it, it's not close. No, it's not even close. No, you don't have a private investigator on staff, all the stuff that a gigantic firm would have. They, they have, or the federal government. Yeah. I mean, they just have right. people. So, yeah. uh, all right. so you know, we, we, went, we were talking a little bit about the death penalty and did a whole show with, uh, Paul Scarcella. Yeah. Paul Scarcella. Uh, yeah. did his name right. So this is a little emotional, and I, you know, I want to say that up front. So this is an impulsive reaction, and and you will rightly tell me, Norm, we have a system. This guy needs to go through the system. But if there was ever an occasion in recent Ohio history to use the death penalty, it's this scumbag in Claremont County who hunted, hunted like they were game, hunted his three sons and killed them and they found him there waiting for the police when they showed up and the sheriff in claremont county like the most dangerous game type thing like actually he hunted and the youngest one was three years old oh my gosh and i think the oldest was 10 so these are young children guys gotta be out of his mind or super evil or a satanist i don't know what he is but the father of these boys got his peace and hunted them down like like they were groundhogs or something and killed them all and shot the mother. The mother then called 911. Um, sheriff showed up. Guy's got the gun. He's sitting on the porch waiting for them. So. Awful. Hey, fry this. I, Look, I mean, I mean, like any case. Death penalty. I man. need to know more. I know, um, I know. You know, so on, on the face of it, it certainly is one that you would think would qualify yeah. for a death specification yeah. in an indictment. Yeah. And then the government's going to have to ask, is it worth pursuing it uh, based on the time, based on the money, based on everything we got to go through? Yeah. Um, if, if all this is true, he's never getting out of prison anyway. And yeah. then, you know. I you, think he's 32 years old. Yeah, I mean, it'll be, it'll be, this will be life without parole. And assuming all these facts are true. Yes, it'll, assuming. It'll be right. life without parole. With one exception, he might be insane. He'll, yeah, yeah. I mean. Maybe he doesn't know right from wrong and was unable to control his impulses. I don't know. Yeah. But, you know, this this certainly rings like a case that you would say, all right. 
it, it's sort of like pornography, you know. It's like you, you never, you don't know, you can't define it, but you know when you hear it yeah. or you know when you see it in, the, in this situation. So, or as Paul said, some people just need killing. Some people just need killing, and this may be one of those guys. So this one sort of like hits your guttural response like, all right, fry this guy. Oh, come on, Now, man. on the other hand, I have to sort of take a step back and say I have to resist the urge to say just fry this guy. I know, because you're a good guy, Steve. What are the standards that we're going to use to fry this guy so we end up not frying somebody else who you don't think that about? Or maybe some person thinks that about this guy, but maybe not the other it, 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 we go back into this deep, deep sort of philosophical dive yeah. into how can we yeah. implement a death penalty in a way that makes everybody happy. It was newsworthy last week uh, when when you weren't here. Uh, Brett and I talked just very briefly about this case, and I wanted to bring it up with you because you're you're going to say all the right things, and and I agree with everything you just said. Uh, it, of course, he deserves the full constitutional suite of guaranteed protections under the law, but. I'm just saying at the end of the day, I cook him. Yeah, dude, (laughs) I I will say, I will say, sir, I love you as one of God's creatures. And now the lights are going to dim as I pull the switch down and fry your ass. Now, here's what's interesting. I would represent him. I know Um, you would. And it's, um, and and you'd give him a vigorous defense, which he deserves. Yes, I I would do that. And I would do it for all sorts of reasons, but it's, uh, I, 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 when I pick juries, I, I ask this question. It's like, what do you think? Actually, you know what I've been doing lately? I've been playing uh, Family Feud. <laughs> like, <laughs> right, we're going to play a little Family Feud. Okay. Hundred people survey, top five answers on the board. Here's the question. Okay. And, and I forget how I phrase it, but it's something like, what is the number one question that criminal defense lawyers have to answer? And then I just get hands out of the jury. And, you know, you get all sorts you know, one is like, how much does it cost? Or wow. can you get me out of this mess? Yeah. Or whatever it is. But yeah. inevitably, the number one question, at least the way I'm playing it out in my scenario, is how do you represent those guilty people? You know, how can you represent all those dirt balls? Oh, yeah. Or those people who are right. clearly guilty? Right. And, you know, the point I make during voir dire is like, well, that's not so hard. You know, that's actually, everybody wants to know that, but that's easy. Those are the easy ones. What about the people who aren't guilty? You know, what if you're representing somebody who's not guilty? Because everybody, when they say, you know, how do you represent those guilty people? There's sort of an implicit thought there that everybody you represent is guilty. Right. Um, But what if they're not? And then it usually gives people pause. And I'm going to say this here, too. It's like, what if there's something else with this guy that we don't know yet? Yeah. And that's that. Right. That's what we need. That's why you have a lawyer. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. And and I don't know anything about this guy. I just want to say that. So, uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, What if what if. what if he's a down syndrome guy or or what if you know he's in some other way uh mentally and i use this as medically retarded yeah okay uh you're right i don't know those facts and those yeah. do have a bearing it matters right yeah, it, it matters does matter. so I, you would say he did all these horrible things but maybe he is uh maybe he had a brain injury as a kid and he has no impulse control left and you would still say, well, that doesn't mean he has to get to go hunt his kids. Of course not. Of course not. But it might weigh it might weigh one way or another about whether you want to impose a death penalty. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So. And I, I, I totally agree. It's just I, I want to give you another thing in Ohio that we have talked about a lot on the show. The DOJ FBI is asking uh, for 16 to 20 years for Larry Householder and Matt Borges, former head of the Ohio GOP, on that energy bribery case. Yep. Uh, where they were convicted in March of uh, uh, getting, I think it was $60 million was committed uh, in order to pass certain legislation was the charge, and they were convicted of that. Yep. Uh, so we'll see. I, I don't know if the sentencing is today. I don't think there's a news update, but that's what they're looking at, 16 to 20 years. Yeah, that's a huge number. Um that's a really big number. And Larry's an older guy. I met him yeah. one time at a fundraiser, uh, believe it or not, where former Governor James Rhodes was uh, the the featured guest. And I really went to see Governor Rhodes because it it was only six months or so before he passed away. And it was, you know, he was in a wheelchair. It was one of the final occasions to actually meet a yep. pretty legendary governor. Well, in here, you, th- you sort of think, I guess my comments on this is when you, you, people, I used to be guilty of this, no pun intended, when I would talk about sentencing. It's like, oh, 15 years, you know, that doesn't seem, oh, that's a huge number. That's a huge number. 16 to 20 years is a huge number. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's a huge number. And I, I, I don't know if that matches what he did or didn't do. But uh, for people don't know, just, you know, Larry Householder 
is a former Speaker of the House of the Ohio General Assembly, just so people yeah, know. Yeah, and he yeah. got caught in a pay-to-play pay to scam with, yeah. uh, what was the energy company up in... Uh, was it First Energy? First Energy or something I like that. I think it yeah. was. So, you know, I, 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 I don't know what the sentence ought to be. Generally, federal sentencing is uh, dependent upon a couple of things. One would be whatever the statutory minimum is. So you, most federal statutes or laws prohibiting conduct will say, here's the range, like 5 to 20 or 10 to life or whatever it would be. Some is life or 20 to life. Uh, and then you have something called the U.S. Sentencing Guidelines, which used to be sort of the end-all, be-all. If you guideline, there was like this algorithm of factors that you would plug your guy mm. in and then on the mm. other end they would say all right 60 to 72 months mm. um and then uh but now those guidelines are only uh advisory they're not mandatory anymore you don't have to follow them so uh, i don't know where the guidelines fall in this usually the guideline calculation in a financial crime is 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 uh, dependent upon the, the amount of loss how much money was at play um and i'm sure there was millions and millions so it's going to be high so yeah for a householder 16 to 20 effectively is a life sentence. Yeah, that's I a mean, big number. Yeah. I I don't think he deserves 16. If, for whatever my, my take is, I don't. I can't say he's not guilty. I don't think he's innocent. I have no idea. But either way, let's assume he's guilty of this. 16 to 20 seems too high. And what kills me about this whole case, which I've said before, but some people may not listen to our older shows. They won't know this. But they let the executives at First Energy completely off the hook. When I say they, the prosecutors... Because they turned, yeah, they they snitched. They snitched. Yeah, right. Yeah. So they get a pass. And I, I I think I compared this to a prostitution charge. This is like where the Johns get off if they tattletale on the prostitute. So they're they they are definitely half of the crime, right? They're getting nothing. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. but the but the legislators who took their money. Oh, well, and you can. There's some justification for that. I mean, these people hold a position of public trust. They're they have yes. a public office, so that's going to be the response. That's now, true. That's true. On the other hand, sixteen to twenty years is a big number. It's big number. That, that seems that seems like that seems like an overreach. Especially when your co-conspirator, the people who gave you the money, get nothing. Right. I would think. I mean, there's not much equity there. Like I, I look, here, and this is the problem. This is back to you know to take it full circle. In a federal defense like this, usually if you go to trial, you're you're putting a lot more on the table than you you might be uh, comfortable risking, because if you lose a trial, you know you're losing on everything, and now it's uh, you get a uh, you get a recommendation like sixteen to twenty years, where if he took a plea agreement, it's probably like five years. Yeah, yeah. So and you would say, well, isn't it the, aren't the facts the same? Well, yeah, but that's just how it is now. Yeah, so that's they how make it, it is. And there's been a lot of pushback on that in the in the uh, sort of the criminal defense advocacy realm about uh, we call it a trial tax. If you decide to go to trial, your punishment is almost is astronomical and on the same facts as if you had just pled. And, uh, you know, because the courts, the judges, the system likes to discourage trials. So it's extortionate. That there's been claims of that. Yeah. Yeah, there's been. In fact, that word has been used. So I'll bet. Yeah. 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 I mean, I can see that. Uh, Columbus man, some more crazy Ohio news. You may have seen this, Steve, this guy needs you. <laughs> a guy from Columbus, uh, did a road rage shooting, uh, in Akron on I-76, uh, killed the other drive, shot and killed the other guy. Uh, the guy's car went out of control, hit a wall and he died. So, uh, this Columbus guy, I don't have his name, uh, is sitting in a summit County jail. In the Summit County Jail. Okay. Uh, wow. Yeah. So uh, you and what, I, you and I talked about guns. This is exactly what we talked about. Yes. Remember, remember yep. when constitutional carry or yep. quote constitutional because that's not exactly what it is. Yeah. When that started, I was like, man, the, the thing that worries me the most is is a conceivable road rage scenario. Abuse. And here we are. Yeah. Abuse. Because it's like it, that's an opportunity crime. Yeah. It's like, it, that's a hot blood type. Crime. You pissed me off. I've got a gun in the glove box. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah, mother effer. Here yeah, we go. You right, know? right, right. It's like, cause I've had so many road rage cases. <sighs> it, was, it was huge back. I, I don't know. Maybe it's people have settled down, but now it seems like they're coming back, but I'd say, or maybe more aptly described would be the government took a stance against road rage about 10, 15 years ago. And I had a handful of cases. Yeah. And guys are getting out of their car with bats and guy, you know, it's like chasing people down and ramming them. Yeah. I, had a, I had a guy represented and rammed another car at some high speed. I mean, it's insane it's what insane. people do. Right. It's it's like people become out of body. I do one of two things, people. 
I either slow down and pull over like at a rest stop and let that semi who's right on my bumper go by. Now, I'm a race car driver, right? I know how to be aggressive. I know how to do a pit maneuver. I could tag somebody's car and spin them out of control on I-71. I would never do that. I have the ability to do that, but I hold my emotions in check. Your hands are feeling like lethal weapons in the car. Yeah, man. I'm like like Chuck Norris. My (laughs) hands are wet. You know, whatever. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I either either put the, the foot down and accelerate away from the crazies, or more typically what I do is I just back way off the situation and I tell myself, do I really need to get to where I'm going 10 seconds sooner, you know, than I otherwise would have yeah. in order to stay in this gaggle of really angry other motorists? No, I don't want to be in that gaggle. I'm yeah. going to back off. And I'm going to get I'm, out. Right. I'm going to turn on my, my, uh, Celine Dion. Or you know, well, it's or, so funny. or Kenny G. It's or, like and chill out. I I have I have I think we all at some point or another have felt this. Where I remember driving, I was going up seventy one towards uh, Mohican area exit or uh, ninety five. So yeah, exit one fifty one. Yeah, and uh, I was uh, all of a sudden somebody comes up and and sort of like checks me like somehow and, yeah. and I must have done something. Yeah, right. I, right. You know, I, without yeah. maybe they were in my blind spot, and I didn't realize when I changed the lane. I have no idea. Yeah, so they're going to punish you. They're going to. They came after me yeah. to let me know that somehow, and, yeah. and and it was it was more than just like a middle finger. Usually, I, when somebody gives me a middle finger, I just wave at him. Usually, right, and me smile. Too. Yeah, because I think it's funny. Actually, yeah, it is funny. Um, but this this one got me. I was like, you mother, and I and it's yeah. like for for like a minute, maybe it's probably more like seconds. I got, I hit the gas pedal yeah. and I was going, man. I had that flash and I was your just blood like, was boiling. And then I thought to myself, "What are you doing? Like, exactly. What's the end game here? What yeah. am I going to do? Pull over to rest up and fight this guy?" Yeah, right. It's, it's 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 stupid. It's stupid. So I just you know I encourage people you know think think with something other than your sexual organs. You know, think, just, uh, use your brain. Rage. And now that there's guns in the car, you know that that is my biggest concern about guns in the cars. Uh, ubiquitously it's yeah. like you know you get because that kind of rage happens and it's probably what happened here I, we're guessing well but. and we see it in bar shootings all the damn time you know there there could be a little piece of paper taped to the door just like the Ohio revised code is just paper too right so so just because you pass a law or put up a little sign that says you know none of the customers can enter this bar with firearms <laughs> hey dude they're going to enter yeah your people bar. still yeah. do right? yeah yeah and and they get drunk and they start shooting each other and it yeah. happens all the damn time. I, you know, I've had uh, lots of bar cases. I've never had something like that. I've lots of knife cases in bars and and some a couple shootings maybe. Yeah. But you know, it, it this is one of those things where it's horrible for everybody involved, right? Yeah. This guy, I, I don't know him, right? But my guess is he doesn't have a record. Probably. My yeah. guess is he's probably got a normal job. Yeah. Probably got a normal life. Maybe even kids, wife at home. Yeah. And now he's hung up for probably the better part. Sounds like a manslaughter case. Yeah. At the end of the day, so he's probably doing something like thirteen to twenty years. Yeah. You know, and, like, and and it's and it's open and shut. Like maybe. we we have we have the round from your gun. We have your gun. We have oh. the round for your gun, and we compare the two. You're the guy that shot this guy. This guy then died. Like it, boom. You know, we'll you're see done. what the other guy was doing that might have warranted it. Maybe there's enough where he was concerned for his own safety. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But the problem with cars, you can always hit the brakes. That's right. Like Slow you down. said, you can always hit the brakes. That's right. And let them fly right by. Or the other pedal, get the hell out of there. You or, know? or get, or just get off at the exit. And yeah. now there's cell phones. Like, look, somebody's after. Like, there's so many other options. People there. have dash cams. A mm-hmm. lot of people. Yeah, this is not good for him. I feel this, bad for everybody. Yeah, it's a ter- terrible situation. And you know, um, I think there was a similar case uh, in Columbus. Was it on Route 23? Anyway, there was a, a, a another situation like that where somebody shot a number, another uh, motorist. And I hope that doesn't become a trend. Uh, speaking of shootings, uh, I heard some statistics, again, from our favorite agency, the Department of Justice, and it was an FBI uh, study. And per capita, you have a better chance of being shot in the city of Columbus than in Chicago now. Is that right? Yeah. Just because... It's per capita, right? Well, so and Columbus gr- is a huge geographical area, That's, too. Yeah. Well, um, Chicago is, you know. Yeah, but I guess I'm saying that in a sense that I think Columbus is pretty large based on, I think they're, it's large based on the number of people that live here. Yeah. I, it, think, I think it's statistical area, so that would include the burbs. 
I think. I think it does. Yeah. Doesn't, isn't that unique to Columbus in some way? It's well, like, like Chicago, I, you would add in all the burbs, right? You would, okay. Yeah. And then compare that to Columbus, the statistical area. So they have, they have adjusted to make it equal. They've adjusted and then looked at per capita, and your odds of getting shot are higher here than there, which probably is because the hot zone in Chicago is the south side. Mm-hmm. It, it's downtown and then south of downtown. And then there's lots of other people that don't live there. Yes. So, yeah, I got you. Yeah. All right, well. That's my guess. It sucks. It sucks. I mean, it seems like every time you turn on the local, I, I rarely turn on local news, but there's almost always a, a shooting or something on TV. And they called off the curfew, what, a couple of weeks ago on the uh, short north, and that's no solution. You need community policing down there. You need cops walking on the sidewalk. Yes. I mean, come on, guys. Yes. Get on your bicycles and ride and all that. They're not going to do it because they're going to be held accountable for anything that happens no matter what. And they're feeling like it's unfair. So now we've disincentivized community policing. Like, great. Congratulations. Good job, city council. (laughs) You you rock that one right to death, literally. Anything on the sub implosion, Steve? Man, I got to tell you. It's like, I'll say this. I've seen some of the memes and some of the jokes and some of the other stuff. Terrible, man. I feel horrible. Like, this bothered me when I first heard it. I'm just like, and, and maybe it's because, isn't it like your worst nightmare? It's like being buried alive. Big time. And, right. You know, it's so helpless. Right. I hope, I hate to say this this way, but I hope it, I hope if they had to die either way, I hope it was like a quick implosion and they all died immediately. Right. Like, like this, the theory being this carbon fiber, especially the viewport was not certified by an engineer for that two and a half miles down, which is 6,000 pounds per square inch pressure. And about that. And this guy who ran Ocean Gate is said, and there was litigation over it, he wanted it certified. The engineer would not certify it, and he sued, and there was a settlement made. But the final analysis is that carbon fiber uh, structure, many... People I've been hearing, like Woods Hole Institute, people like that that really know this, are saying those vehicles should be made of titanium, some kind of uh, steel, something other than carbon fiber. Carbon fiber, they make race cars out and airplanes and all kinds of stuff. Great carbon fiber, but 6,000 PSI, man. Man, it's so, uh, I guess there's a bigger thing here. You know, it's like, I wonder... Everybody's asked the question. I think I, I've been in this conversation with several people now. It's like, who would want to do that? Like, why do that? Yeah. And, you know, it's like, if from a practical standpoint, you, you can get better visuals of the Titanic with a video yeah. on your computer screen. Yeah. So really, it's about finding some sort of satisfaction out of life. There's adventure seekers. There's people who do this base jumping, et cetera. And, climb Mount Everest. You know, a lot of those, a lot of those like, uh, free climber, man, I mean- you see him climbing, like scaling the walls of Yosemite. Yeah, or and, some downtown building. It's unbelievable. It's crazy. It's and, crazy. And, you know, so at first I was thinking, you know, this is like a this is a product of our society is like never being satisfied with anything, and you've got all the money in the world, and you can do whatever you can do, so you just need the next big rush. But on the other hand, like the free basers and the, wa- and the rock climbers, like they're not big rich guys who have all the money in the world. Dude, how so about- So there's something else going on. How about that guy that walked the high wire strung between the The twi- towers, the, yeah. Holy! It's a great documentary on that. It's, it's oh, like, I mean, I mean, I I couldn't watch. And that those guys document. aren't millionaires. No. So what what bugged me is like I, I heard uh, I don't know who was talking about this, some other podcast, but I, somebody was talking about it. Like there's there's this push on the left, like sort of this disdain, like millionaires. They were millionaires. And, yeah, yeah. What, you know, it's like whatever. I, I there were people that died, and yeah. you know, maybe you could say I would never have made that choice, but they made the choice and they died. I think it doesn't reflect anything on any politics. No, the the guy from Pakistan took his son. Right. right. It's like it's tragic I mean, on every level. On every level. His there's son, no, there's no that, justice a, at all about which side. No. Oh, I, here's what it was. Who, who was the guy who ran a tour industry? They Somebody said, well, he is a millionaire that gave money to uh, the Republican Party. And I'm just like, why in the f- What's who, that guy? It's like, what does that matter about anything? You know, it's so crazy. The thing that, uh, it, it, the, for me, the, the saddest thing besides the, the, the loss of life, which is terrible, but the saddest thing is now they're talking about lawsuits. Well, this company doesn't have any assets. It was a submarine, like it's, right. and yeah. the owner is gone. The owner's gone, and every it, look anybody who who entered that sub, come on, and didn't appreciate the risk of going thirteen thousand feet. And you know they signed a waiver. There's a couple of them, I think. I mean, yeah, I, from I mean, what I've heard, and it's like you know at some point we assume our own risks, and we you know you're sort of left with. 
uh, unless there was lies and denies about the safety of the sub, and maybe there was some of that because other people had gone on it safely. I, I, you know, I don't know. Steve, now there's all this blabber, right? about, well, we need to regulate, we need to have... Well, that's right. Now we're going to say you can't... Who's going to say that you can't do that? I would much rather have a society where you're permitted to do these things Hey, people, people have rowed boats across the Atlantic Ocean. Right. Look, you can do stupid stuff in the world. Yeah. Right. Like, if you're going to say you can't do this and, you know, understand the power leverage you're giving people if you do that. So it's like, yeah. You know, yeah, I get, I get it. Remember, uh, do you remember that flight? I think it was the Gossamer Albatross, I think was the name of the airplane. And it was solar powered, I believe. No, it was the one that wasn't solar powered. So it had engines, but they just sipped the gasoline like at a very, very, it, it basically was a glider that, that like flew at some super high altitude and it was the brother of Dick Rutan, the uh, airplane designer. It was his brother and his brother's wife, ex-wife actually, but they flew together. Uh, they went around the world. And I remember when he landed, and I think maybe Reagan was president. This goes back many years. And I think when he landed at Edwards Air Force Base, after circumnavigating the world without refueling, right? It was a around-the-world trip in an airplane with, with no refueling. And went, you know, went through storms and all kinds of stuff. And when they landed, the thing he said, Steve, you would love this. We didn't have to fill out a single government form mm. to do our flight. Yeah. There, no, no piece of paper whatsoever because it was an experimental aircraft. Yeah. So, you know, and, like, and they it, were allowed to risk their lives. We have to be able to encourage that kind of stuff. Otherwise, we would never progress. You know, it's like this right. is. Um, yeah. You, you know, can't regulate. You think the government regulators have some sort of uh, brilliant insight on safety and <laughs> right. brilliant insight on right. what's permissible and not. You're, you're sort well, of they mistaken. all right. All the government regulators back in 1492 told Columbus, you're going to sail off the edge of the earth. Well, that's right. Yeah. So you right. can't go. And the government sent up the, the, um, the space shuttle. Yeah. Boom. Yeah, right. Well, it was a Columbia. What was the space shuttle? Well, we had two tragedies. One, one taking off uh, yeah, the, the Challenger. One? Challenger's one. Of yeah. The, yeah, and then yeah. the other one coming in. Coming in. Yeah. yeah. So that was government uh, regulation yeah. right there. It's, yeah. Uh, and the point is, nobody sets out to to do things that uh, like you're not going to take this risk without understanding it's a risk. Right. Right. Like I and, and now here's the, here's the other argument I made is that like we people with money and people with all this power they just assume that if it costs two hundred fifty thousand dollars that it's safe. I think they're smarter than that. Oh yeah. I think anybody who says I'm going to ride this submarine to the bottom of the ocean and is told, look, this is really freaking dangerous and you could die. Yeah. They're going to think this is really dangerous. We can die. We're going to do it anyway. We right. want the thrill. Yeah. If you're climbing Mount Everest, it's expensive. You got to hire Sherpas. You got to hire a guide. I mean. You don't want to go up there by yourself as a as a tenderfoot. You want to go up with people that are experts, right? Mm-hmm. That all costs a lot of money. And and you can't tell me that well-heeled people that vacation by climbing Mount Everest, you know, practicing for two years, working up to altitude, all that kind of stuff that they go through, they know that it's risky. Yeah, they know it's risky. Because people die every year up there. And And look, I would never take a submarine like that anyway me neither to the bottom of the ocean no. i just wouldn't do it no. um no. I, I do i've done other risky things but that's like that, no that's beyond the pale for right. me i would never do it i ride a motorcycle i race cars i know the risk i wear a helmet and all that stuff and i've accepted those risks yes similar it's yeah. you know to some yeah. extent that's a thrill so yeah well look we got a, you got any nuggets before we wrap it up i gotta um, unfortunately go do my real job no so. great steve uh no just just real quick um Back to Marion, Ohio, real quick. This is a great story. I encourage people to Google this or duck, duck, go it. Um, the Marion, Ohio Fire Department, back to Marion, Ohio. The Marion, Ohio Fire Department was doing some reclamation at a building that used to be there. It used to be the old firehouse like 110 years ago. And there was a cornerstone with some really cool uh, uh, inscriptions on it. And they wanted that for their new firehouse, right? So they wanted to get that, that cornerstone. And the, new, and the owner said, yeah, yeah, community-minded guy, you can chisel that out. So they came out on their part, they came out after hours, these firemen on their own time, and they removed the cornerstone and behind it was a time capsule. And please go online and look at all the cool 
fire department badges and there was a roster of who was in the fire department and stuff from the Marion Steam Shovel Company and all of these artifacts from 110 years ago. It's really cool. That's cool stuff. Yeah, so go online. Uh, It kind of fits in with that bronze sword that they discovered, the 3,000-year-old sword in Germany that looks like it was made yesterday because it's made of bronze, which is copper and brass. And uh, so it didn't like... It didn't rust. Rust or tarnish or No, and and it's laying there in the bones of the guy they buried it with. And the pictures online are stunning. That's another one to look at. And then finally, Steve, and this is too big to really go into, but I also encourage people, get online and look at the John Durham testimony to Jim Jordan, Ohio congressman, Jim Jordan's House Judiciary Committee. Amazing testimony. Basically says the FBI was completely biased and completely violated their own standards about launching that investigation using the FISA court, lying to the FISA court, and that that attorney for the FBI who certified that the information was verified and he lied is, hey, no no penalty. Uh, he, He was not, he was prosecuted he was not convicted in practicing law now and, you know, like it never happened. Yeah, I got to tell you, anybody who thinks that the ends justify the means on that one, like if you hated Trump so much that you could yeah. uh, orchestrate such a hoax, orchestrate, uh, because really there, there's several things we're talking about, like the two impeachment proceedings as well as the, um, I think <clears throat> the most egregious is is burying the Hunter Biden laptop story uh, before the election. Yeah. It's like, it, I don't care what side of political aisle you're on, yeah. that should piss you off. And I, I think Biden's in trouble on this renewal of the FISA uh, legislation. So that is before Congress. And even a lot of Democrats are like, no, no. I, they're not citing the Trump thing, but they realize that it is a problem. I believe 250,000 occasions have been documented where the FBI or some other agency has gone in and used that special exception that allows you to spy on American citizens if they're in communication with yeah. a foreign the, national. The, 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 They've abused that. Yeah, the the potential for corruption and political maneuvering and everything else is yeah. to as, as we've seen, right? Yeah, I mean, as like, we've seen. Yeah, so, all right, well, that's uh, your, we'll wrap up your weekly dose of Common Sense here at commonsenseohioshow.com. Why did I say commonsenseohioshow.com? Because you can go to our website and subscribe to our podcast right there you can like it, and you could even share it. Um, you can check us out on social media platforms soon. I promise you soon we will be on video where you'll be able to watch it live stream, maybe, or at least almost live stream uh, our episodes right here from Studio C at Channel 511. So Common Sense Ohio coming at you right from the middle without Brett today, but he'll be back uh, at least until now.